Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from somewhere in the western half of Canada. Episode 60, Hiatus. In January of 2016, I talked about wanting to cast on a new life and how I was going to approach it step by step. Three and a half years later, I am definitely in a different place and I'm starting on a different life. But the road I took here was not one I could ever have envisioned back then. I am no longer on the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Though it looks like I will end up back in the general vicinity within a year, for now I am hanging my hat on the Pacific coast, just about at the end of the highway, if you take a couple of ferries first. This place couldn't be more different from where I was living when I first started the podcast. It is a small town. I'm surrounded by big, tall trees. I'm only a short walk from a lake and a bit of a longer walk to the ocean. And the roof over my head covers about one-third the space of any of the houses I've lived in, except my first apartment condo. And yet, I am content here in a way that I wasn't when I was completely surrounded by people, houses, farmland, and square footage. I am no healthier than I was. All the pressures and realities I talked about back in 2016 conspired to make it even more difficult to make the changes I needed to make, and both my physical and mental health declined to a breaking point earlier this year. I don't recommend breaking points. They are distressing and uncomfortable and ugly. And while I highly recommend not getting there for others, I am actually grateful that I had one. The breaking point forced me to make my own health and well-being a priority in a way that nothing else could have. It forced me to reconsider coping strategies that I formed as a child that no longer serve me, work on retraining and healing my brain and body, redevelop relationships with food and exercise, and actually listen to what my body has been trying to tell me for years. I am no longer at the job I loved. That was a hard thing to let go. I realized exactly how much of my self-worth I have externalized. I had to be a good worker, a fast worker, excel at the tasks assigned to me, do it all and on time. And only then would I consider myself worth anything. Having to let go of a job that I cared about and had been at for so long, and how people in my life responded when I did, also forced me to acknowledge, albeit with great struggle and reluctance and not a few tears, that I needed to reclaim my self-worth and bring it inside, that I am still worth knowing and worth being loved and cared about despite what I may or may not be able to do. I am no longer in the same romantic relationship. Mike and I parted ways in 2016, though we remain friendly. We had just reached a point where we realized that the relationship wasn't serving either of us anymore. The differences in what we wanted and where we wanted to go in life became too great, and though we cared about each other, asking one or the other to forgo our individual needs to simply maintain the relationship was not the right thing. Since then, there is a new man in my life, and he proposed to me this April. I am no longer a master spinner student. 
I graduated in 2017, right on schedule, and immediately became an instructor for the program. Teaching spinning has brought me so much joy, and I honestly believe that this is the path I am meant to follow. Despite occasional bouts of imposter syndrome, look it up if you don't know what it is. I'm sure we all suffer from it from time to time. I know that I'm a good teacher and that I have something to offer the world of fiber arts. And in this new life, as I work towards bettering my health, I know that learning more about fiber arts, developing courses and articles, sharing what I know with people in person and virtually, and developing myself into a capital F, capital A fiber artist will be a huge part of my healing. It has been three and a half years since I sat down with this microphone to record an episode. In that time, I have missed it more than I can possibly express. I started this podcast to help me find my voice, to add some structure to a life that, even then, was starting to spiral a little out of control, though I did not recognize it at the time, and to help me share my love and knowledge of everything fibery and wonderful. In the time I didn't record, while I did continue to knit and spin, I found myself knitting less, spinning less, and generally lamenting my lack of production. It took me three months to knit a pair of socks, for heaven's sake. But now is the time to start again. I have things to share, knowledge to discuss, and things to do. The hiatus is over, and I am grateful to you for sticking with me. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. In some ways, I'm not sure quite what to talk about in this segment now that I've graduated. I can update you on what happened. Obviously, I finished level five and got a good mark. And then I went into level six. Now, level six, uh, if anybody recalls, is you go to Fiber Week and you basically do a seven day test. And then you go away from Fiber Week and you spend the whole year doing a project of your own choosing or an experiment of your own choosing. I went into Fiber Week for level six quite stressed out. After all, it is a seven day test. But I can tell you that I really didn't need to. If you've gotten through the program to that point, you'll be fine. And I can say that because I got done all my testing skeins half a day early and I went and hung out with the level ones and uh, and uh, helped them out, answered some questions. So, you know, it, it's, you've got the skills once you've reached that point. You just have to trust yourself and apply them. And then I went away and I did my in-depth study. I did my in-depth study on knitted lace. I mean, shocking, right? I'm, I love knitting lace. And that's my advice to anybody who is coming into level six. Figure out what project you'll enjoy spending a whole year on. And, and so it has to be something that you already enjoy. Now, I really enjoyed knitting lace. So my, my question was, of commonly available protein fibers, which ones are the best for knitted lace? And so I spun 22 skeins of yarn of four different fibers. I chose merino, blue face lyster, alpaca, and silk. Now my blue face lyster and my 
alpaca were really not good quality. But by that point, I'd committed, so I went and did it. And what were my results? My results were, as long as it has silk in it, it's going to be good. Merino is going to be worse for for silk in terms of stitch definition and drape and all of that. Which is kind of sad because a lot of your lace yarns now have merino in them and are 100% merino or or that kind of thing. So so I, I'll go into that in more detail probably in a later episode because I'm still going to every episode go through an exercise. So I'll get to level six and we'll discuss that in more detail. But uh, but yes, so that was, those are my results. And I actually handed it in on time. I did not have to take an extension on level six. So that's a short version of what happened to me. So what do I talk about now? Well, I've been thinking ab- about that quite a bit as I prepared to sit down and record this episode. And what it came to me was that the Master Spinner program and Fiber Week is all about learning and all about challenging and enhancing yourself as a spinner. And I am not done, not by a long shot. I mean, just because I've spun, you know, the, the however many Angora skeins there were for level five doesn't mean I know everything there is to know about Angora. And I just was handed the other day two big bags of Angora, one white, one fawn, and I spun up a sample and it's amazing. So I now have Angora that I can play with, that I can figure out what to do with and how it works and all of these things. So I'm not done experimenting and I'm not done learning. And so that's what I think this segment is going to be about now. Let's start with the first thing that I'm learning to do. I am spinning a textured yarn deliberately. This is not what I do. I like knitting lace. You do not knit lace with a textured yarn. So this is a real challenge for me. But uh, last year I taught level three and at the end of the week, the students had taken what they wanted from the leftover supplies and they turned to me with this sort of halfway evil grin on their faces because of course I talked to them about how I don't really spin textured yarns. And they said, here, Vanessa, Take it all. Your challenge is to spin a textured yarn for next year. And I went, okay. And then my life exploded and I never got to it. So I've just started. I've gone through what was there and I've come up with a plan. I am spinning a two-colored boucle from Sarah Anderson's Spinner's Book of Yarn Designs. So my core is hand spun. It's going to be one ply of cotton lint because that's what I had left and one ply of silk noil because that's also what I had left and then those will be plied together and then that'll be my core and then my wraps I've got one small bat that's kind of fiery colored reds and oranges and then I have a whole bunch of little bits of white wool that I may blend or I may just spin in order I haven't quite decided on that yet and so those will be my two wraps and then my binder will be a single ply of black bombic silk and I have no idea what it's going to look like it will be interesting but you know I'm, I'm working my way through the instructions in Sarah Anderson's book and I'm really hopeful that I will have it done in time for fiber week I've got the cotton lint single spun I'm working on the silk noil one and also on the um, little fiery bat. 
I still have three weeks. I'm working on it on two different wheels. Uh, in this town that I'm in now, there's a, a group that meets uh, Thursday afternoons, and they have an older uh, Ashford traditional. Now, there's not many spinners there, so it's been si- sitting kind of idle. So I'm running it back in just by obviously using it. So that's where I spun the cotton as well as started the, the bat. And I'm spinning the silk noil here at home, and I will probably also spin the white wool once I decide what to do with it. So that's really challenging for me, but it's fun, you know, and, and you're playing with all these different, I'm playing with all these different types of fibers that I haven't played with since the Master Spinner program. I haven't spun cotton lint very much since uh, since I got out of the program, certainly it's not silk noil. And uh, and so it's, it's interesting to try and make all of these different fibers play together. So I'm hopeful it'll turn out quite nice. Now, if any of my level three students are listening, I'm very sorry. I was not able to incorporate the locks without like going really crazy. So if I have any extra of any of these yarns left, I will make another yarn that includes some of the locks. So that will be my challenge for the next couple weeks is to, is to spin this two color boucle. And then I will decide what my next experiment is going to be. I purchased a new wheel, it's a Lendrum, because I did not have a wheel that could fold down and fit in a suitcase. And as a master spinner instructor, I have to be prepared to go anywhere. I was actually scheduled to go to Nova Scotia to teach level one and two in August, but it doesn't look like the numbers are there. So that's okay. I still have to be able to have a wheel that can travel with me in a suitcase for when I do go and teach either the master spinner program or any other spinning classes. So I'm getting to know this new wheel. It has a creak that's driving me crazy. So I have to track that down and figure out where it's coming from. But it's practically brand new, so I may just have to run it in. I'm not sure. I'll have to drop another email to Gord Lundrum and find out. And so then I, I want to practice spinning deliberately. I'm still very much uh, sit down and do what's normal. And that's not, that's not challenging enough. I need to be able to, to spin to a certain project. And obviously I like my lace weights, but I need to be able to spin it all. So I might actually just go back through the Master Spinner curriculum and pick out the stuff that I had trouble with because I have to be able to teach it too. Lopi, for example, I need to be able to teach Lopi, which means I need to be able to spin Lopi. So I'm going to be going through and picking out those things and just sitting down and making sure I understand it. And so I'll be making a list of those and I'll I'll work through them in this segment as well. So right now I am preparing to go to Fiber Week. Uh, It's in the first week of July this year, starts on the 5th. And I am actually teaching level six this year. I've got uh, probably 15 students registered, Kara, my friend Kara and I will be teaching them and that will be fun. I'm really looking forward to it, I really am. And if any of the level six students out there are listening, you've got this, I promise, it's not scary. I am still going to go through my books and and talk about the different exercises, but keep in mind that we've just gone through a curriculum rewrite. I was part of that as well. And so some of the things I talk about are no longer in those levels. 
For example, uh, in, I'm about to talk about spindles and spindle wheels. Spindle uh, Supported spindles are still in level 3, but spindle wheels have been moved to level 5. So it's still useful information, but just, just keep in mind it may not line up with the new curriculum. So when we left off level 3, we had just finished talking about the color skeins, and now we're going on to supported spindles and spindle wheels. And I'm putting these together because there's only three skeins. So this is module D1 and D2. So for the, these modules, you have to spin two skeins on supported spindles, one on a Takli and one on a Navajo spindle, and then also find yourself a spindle wheel and spin a skein on that. So Takli, obviously, small, fast, good for, for fibers that are short and require high twist. Obviously, I used cotton. I used Sea Island cotton. And I'm just looking at my, my skein, and wow, for level three, I was really good. It's, it's quite nice, nicely spun and, and uh, nice and tight and good, good, even good consistency. So I'm pretty pleased with that. To ply this, I, uh, I did, what did it say here? Plied off of spindle from two-strand plying quote-unquote ball. This is a method from Lana Cunningham's supported spindle book. And I think it worked quite well because I'm, I'm looking at the yarn and it looks nice. So if you're experimenting with how to ply off a supported spindle, Lana's book has a lot of good ideas about that. And then the Navajo spindle. And again, point of contact on this one. It's just a singles. The mark, I, I got lost a bit of mark for it. One mark. Because it needed more twist. And she's not wrong. It definitely needed more twist. Navajo spindles obviously are a little slower. I recently, recently last year, uh, spun a skein of yarn from Rolex on my Navajo spindle, and I love it. I never thought I'd say that. I love spinning on a Navajo spindle, and I love spinning Rolex on a Navajo spindle, and I love the plied yarn, and it's just, it's just all squishy and lovely and great. And I never thought I'd say that. So get some practice with a Navajo spindle. You know, it, it's, it's, you have to find that balance between too much twist and not enough. You know, you're wanting a thicker yarn, woolen spun from Rolex, and, uh, and you need it to be stable. I needed more twist in mine, but I didn't want to over twist it either. And then the spindle wheel. You have two options for a spindle wheel. You've got a charka, which is basically a takli on its side, and then you have a great wheel or a wool wheel. Now I was lucky enough that a friend of mine had one of these and I happened to, when I was in level level three, go over to her place and saw it and went, oh, I can do my project here, I can do my skein, and I did. So I spun this from the fold, it's Polworth, because that's what I had with me, I didn't realize she had a wheel, a great wheel, and I spun it from the fold and then Andean plied it. So wound it off on, into a bracelet and then Andean plied it on the great wheel as well. And that was a ton of fun. And I now own a late 1800s walking wheel with a miner's head. I had it set up when I live, was back in Edmonton in my fibratorium. I haven't got the space right now, but I'm working on getting the space. My partner and, uh, and our friend have an office downtown in this town, and there is space for me to set up sort of a workshop which will, of course, include my very large 1800s great wheel. But we're still working on that. We've, I've just been here a month, so there's still things that we need to sort out. 
But yes, I have a great wheel. It's a ton of fun. And I really, really enjoy spinning on it. I think the part I like the best is that you're standing. You know, we, uh, we spend so much time sitting as, as spinners and knitters and, and that, that, that being able to stand at the wheel and spin and create this gorgeous yarn is really, really interesting. If you have a chance, try and, and find yourself a, a, a spindle wheel to spin on. You can also buy spindle wheel attachments for most modern wheels. That is also fun. You are, of course, sitting. So it's still the same concept as a supported spindle. You're pinging off the tip and you're, you're keeping that going. And that, I think, is a whole video that I need to make. So that's level three. Uh, we've got the final project left to discuss, and then we can move on to level four. Fiber notes. As I mentioned in my essay, I've been really lamenting my lack of progress on projects for the last several years. As stress went up and my fatigue went up, I just found that I just didn't have the time to sit down and knit or sit down and spin. I found myself not going to my knitting group, so of course, you know, there was time that I didn't knit. And that really bothered me, you know, and, and I know now that that is one of the warning signs that I need to keep an eye out for, for when my stress levels are getting really high is if I am not going to, you know, my knitting groups and, and, you know, being part of my community, but especially if I'm not knitting and not spinning, that's something I really need to keep an eye out for. So with that in mind, let's talk about what I actually have been accomplishing not in the last three and a half years. I did accomplish some things. I, you know, I finished the, in, in my garden shawl and I was working on something else. I'm pretty sure I finished that too. Yes, I did. But in the last little while, I haven't done a ton. I've just finished a shawl though. I finished a swerve. The designer there is Deborah Frank. And it is a garter stitch short row shawl because that is all I had brain power for. And that is okay. I am giving myself permission to not have brain power for a lace, even though I love it. And when I finished the swerve, I was like, you know, I think I'm in a place now where I can get back to lace. I'm feeling okay. So that that's a really good sign for me. The swerve, however, is really, really an excellent design. Low on brain power, but high on just really visual interest and fun. So I did it out of a Fleece Artist Halo bundle. I'm not sure the color. It doesn't say on the tag, but looking at their website, I think it's either Nebula or Forest Fairy. I'm leaning more towards Forest Fairy. It's really lovely. I had a lot left over, but I did it as per the pattern. And I'm glad I did because I, if I'd added another wedge of mohair, I wouldn't have had enough of the Merino singles left to finish it off. So I'm quite glad I just, you know, did it as per instructions and it is huge. It, uh, I can put it over my shoulders and the tails hang down to like my, my hips. So I'm glad I didn't make it any bigger than, than it, uh, than it called for. Really lovely. And a, a very interesting way of showing the differences between that, that mohair and the merino singles. So pretty pleased with that. 
But that's like the only thing I've finished this last year besides maybe like a pair of socks. I was just thinking that it, it literally is the only thing I can bring to Fiber Week for the fashion show. And I'm working on being okay with that because I know that's about to change. So the things that I'm working on right now, I've been working for way too long on a pair of socks. I'm still in sort of that, you know, three month mark for a pair of socks, but I'm knitting the Running Bond Brick sock. That's a free pattern on Ravelry. And uh, the yarn is a skein that I got from a friend for Christmas this past year. Color is called Beyond the Clouds and it's a 7525 Superwash Merino and Nylon blend from Sheepy Fibers. And it's just this lovely gray with these little bits of rainbow in it. And the these socks have a meaning for me. The yarn, my friend sent it to me because she thought, especially with everything that was going on in my life, even before the the breaking point, that I needed to remember that there was still light and good things beyond the clouds that I could see. And the pattern, it resembles a brick wall. So I started working on it shortly. I started this particular sock shortly after I had the break. And for me, these socks are representative of looking past what's going on in the present to a brighter future, as well as rebuilding myself brick by brick by brick. So I finished the first sock, I'm past the gusset on the second one, and I'm on my way down to the toe. So I should hopefully be finished soon. And of course now it's summer and it's really difficult to wear wool socks when it's so warm, but I will think about how I've been rebuilding myself every time I wear them. I'm designing a shawl as well. I started this well, uh, probably a good year ago, if not more. So it's just a simple triangular shawl. It has a, a nice tight cable down the center spine, an offset sort of falling brick pattern on the on the two sides. So I'm I'm trying to figure out the end treatment uh, for the for the edge because I'm I'm coming up on the end of this skein of of yarn, and I need to figure out. How to, how to finish this particular shawl. And I'm thinking, I'm going to end off the lace with the lace because that will not curl, but I need to figure out an end treatment for the cable. And so I'll have to be swatching that. And then I'm gonna re-knit the whole thing because the yarn that I got, this is a sock blank that I purchased from Fiber Goddess. She's out of Calgary. And it's beautiful and wonderful. And it's white and sort of this, you know, light, burgundy color and it's too variegated to really see the pattern so I asked my parents to go buy another skein from Fiber Goddess when they were at a show with her and they came back with this gorgeous skein of kettle dyed it's sort of golden and it's it's silk and I think merino which means based on my final pro my in-depth study it's going to be awesome for lace and the colorway is called Follow the Patriarchy. So I may actually name the pattern Follow the Patriarchy because that will go well also with the, with the design. 
So once I'm finished the design, I'm going to re-knit it in this yarn and, and then probably publish the pattern. And then the last knitting project I'm working on, or, or now that I'm back to knitting lace, is called the Alberta Shawl. And this is by Annalise uh, Mygord. Now, I love the circularity of, of this particular project. So Annalise is uh, Dan a Dane, and she was traveling in Alberta and then designed this particular shawl to sort of reflect some of the landscape that she saw. When we had the fires in Fort McMurray several years ago, she was donating a part, portion of the proceeds from the sale of this particular pattern to the Red Cross for the relief for, for Fort McMurray. And so I purchased it at that time. Now, my parents are Danish and I live in Alberta. So I really, I'm really enjoying sort of that, you know, a, a Dane seeing Alberta, my home, from uh, the eyes of a traveler, whereas, you know, I'm of Danish descent and I just actually returned from Denmark. So. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying sort of this dichotomy. I'm knitting it out of a lace, uh, a lace weight yarn of Blue Face Leicester. Uh, I dyed this particular ball at Fiber Week in 2017. I took a course from, oh, I can't remember her name now, uh, Kim, I think, from Indigo Dragonfly in Ontario. She uh, was uh, doing a course on uh, acid dyeing uh, for gradients. And so this was when I died as a ball. And so it's a little more variegated than I would necessarily have expected, but I think it's still gonna work fine because it's all sort of in this sort of blue category. I think we'll still be able to see the lace just fine. Now, this is a very complex pattern. There are nine different charts. I'm on chart three. Uh, so I'm not going to finish this by fiber week, maybe fiber week next year. And then I do have a personal spinning project and I think that's going to be what I focus on for Tour de Fleece, which is coming up. Now the first week of Tour de Fleece is of course the week I'm teaching at fiber week. So I'm going to have to accept that I may not get as much done as I would like, but I'm working on a 200 gram project of 70% merino and 30% silk. This was uh, dyed at Grin Sheep in Parksville on Vancouver Island. And so I'm, I'm spinning, it, it was actually two 100 gram lengths dyed the same way. So I'm spinning both halves. I'm hoping they line up pretty good. And even when I started spinning this, I had thought that I would spin this up and then knit it into a shawl that I would wear when I got married. And then Randy proposed while we were in Denmark in May. So all of a sudden there's a bit of a time crunch now. I haven't set a date or anything, but he doesn't want, want to wait much longer than a year. So I have to finish spinning this project so I know how much yardage I have so that I know I can find a pattern and I can knit it. And it's in sort of yellows. It's not quite pastels but close yellows and peaches and browns it's really lovely and i think it will go very well but i'm kind of on a time crunch now so i'm that's why i'm focusing on that for tour de fleece i'm just over halfway through the first 100 grams i have the additional 100 grams and then plying to do as well so those are kind of the things i'm working on right now 
I don't have a ton of my stash here, obviously space is limited, and, and I'm actually okay with that because there are moths here. And apparently the best way to not get an infestation is to like move the stuff around a lot. So I'm okay with not having a ton of yarn in here stored here because that means that I can basically toss my stash very easily and work my way through it and then go back to my parents' place and dig through the suitcases there and find some more and bring it back. So I, I like that this will be able to keep me a little focused and and will you know help me actually work through my stash instead of just buying things and letting them sit there so yes that's what i'm working on and so by next week i'm hoping to be done the socks definitely not the alberta shawl and maybe i'll have figured out the end treatment for the shawl that i'm designing By the wayside. So I finished Christmas Elegance. I finished it in late 2017 while we were actually in Mexico, which was kind of odd because Christmas Elegance is all about, you know, this, this opulent woman keeping herself warm in the cold, and it was so hot there I could barely move. That was fun. But uh, it turned out really well, and I gave it to my sister and she's very happy with it. So I am, I'm happy to get that done. Now, what am I gonna do next for By the Wayside? Well, I was thinking, and I think I have to finish the accolade. So this is a kit based on the E.B. Lighten painting, also called the accolade. It, uh, it's very, reminiscent of King Arthur and that kind of thing. And so why is this a By the Wayside project? I probably started this in high school, I expect, or very shortly after. I pulled it out here and there is actually a letter in here from the Busilla kit, so from Busilla, that is date stamped 1999. And I pulled out the letter because I'd run out of a particular color of yarn and they sent me more and the letter is dated May 27th, 1999. It's 2019. That's 20 years. That is half my life that this project, I've been carrying it around. Now what's the holdup? All the cross stitch is finished. There is so much backstitching in this, I will not swear, there is so much backstitching in this pattern, and I left it all to last. Not only that, the chart is colored, and it's really hard to tell what color I should be using at any given point. I got so frustrated with this pattern that it has literally been sitting for 20 years because I cannot face it. That is a long time. That is what the By the Wayside segment should be about. 
is finishing these things that have just been hanging over my head for so long. This pattern, working on the cross stitch at least for this particular kit, inspired me to write a whole story that I never finished, but that's beside the point. I had developed this whole universe. I spent years writing and developing this particular story because while I was working on this, I came up with the idea. And it's still sitting there. So, this will be my new By the Wayside project. I will get this done, even if it kills me, which it won't. It's probably not as bad as I feel like it is. I think I just really burned out on it. So I'm interested to actually pick it up, see where I'm at, and try and figure out a way to approach it. So that's what I'm going to do. I've just pulled it out. I haven't even pulled out the cloth or anything. I've just rescued it from the boxes and it will go into my, my drawer uh, of my little dresser where I keep all my current projects and I will start working on it. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining me for episode 60. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 61 on June 30th, 2019. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion on Facebook or Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at bythefiberside, that's F-I-B-R-E, at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.